on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Hello and welcome into the Fog.net podcast. My name is Michael Swain, the Kansas beat writer for 24-7 Sports. It's bright outside, so it's a Monday morning. I'm here with Kevin Flaherty, we're going to talk about uh, Kansas football's 49 to 16 win over Cincinnati. That ends the 2023 regular season for the Jayhawks, an eight and four season in year three of the Lance Leipold era. Kevin, these Thanksgiving weekend games are always weird for me. Oh, yeah. Like it's kind of like nonstop football for a few days, and it's kind of hard to get your bearings straight of what day it actually is. But for you, Kevin, how was your holiday? You get to spend some time with family? Yeah, I, I got to go down uh, to Tulsa area to spend some time with the uh, with the wife's family for for the week, and, and you know, I, I thought it was kind of kind of funny the way you put it because if you aren't really tracking it, you know, and you're you're throwing on the the TV on Friday, you're like, oh, that game's on Friday. Oh, mm-hmm. this game's on. You know, the fact that you have games not just on Thanksgiving, not just on Saturday, but also some really good games that Friday. Um, it, it kind of, uh, it, it kind of stacks your schedule and not in a bad way. How about you? What'd you, uh, get up to? Yeah, I was fortunate enough to go to meet up with my family, obviously being from California, I don't get the chance to go back too often. So, yep. um, met up with my dad and my stepmom, um, met my brother who lives in New York now. So it was good to kind of have some family time. Um, Kevin, before we get in, I have to plug something. All right, all right. You know Black Friday, right? It's not yes. the Black Friday of old, right? I don't think people are going crazy going to stores, but um, we do have a Black Friday sale going on. If you're on the fence about joining VIP, um, now really, Kevin, is the best time to do it. $2.25 a month for the next year. Um, I tend to think about this as a, a looking forward sale, right? You look at National Signing Day coming up. Yep. You blink and it's going to be March and the K basketball off season is going to be here. You blink again, it's June recruiting season and then it's fall camp. So like you're getting a, a great bang for your buck, right? 27 bucks for the next year um, for VIP. You get stuff like a story I wrote on Monday for the website. Um, the decisions that will shape the Kansas football off season, right? What are the moves that could happen that are going to um, shape the roster for next year? Who could transfer, um, NFL decisions, all that sort of stuff. So breaking it down with the stuff I'm hearing. Um, so make sure you, you head to fog.net, check out the sale. I'll put a link in the description, both for the YouTube channel and the podcast apps. So you can check it out. Make sure you're signing up if you aren't already. And folks that are on monthlies, I think if you're paying monthly, you can also upgrade to this price as well. So definitely something to check out. It's great for you. It's great for the family. If you have a KU football fan that, you know, you're you're talking to them and they just don't seem to have the information <laughs> that you would like for them to have. 
uh, go ahead and shoot him over that subscription. Even beyond, you know, getting information from uh, from Swain and myself, you know, we we have a great team of, of national people that swing by that that give all sorts of, of outside takes and analysis. And even beyond that, we have a really great community. I think of of people who who respond, ask questions, and, and things like that. So, if you want to have a direct line to Swain twenty four hours a day on that Fog.net board pretty much uh okay. go ahead and, and sign up well i'm on it way too much as my girlfriend <laughs> probably attests to she sees me on my phone uh, a fair amount so um yeah and thanks for everyone that has already signed up we got a, a, a huge group and definitely welcome to the the family and excited about the direction things are heading what also is an exciting direction is the cancer football program Ooh, kevin that's a transition um, look at that transition we are in postseason form here um this was a weird game, Kevin, because I think in the first kind of 10 minutes, I was a little concerned, right? Yeah. I think you think about the last month for KU, even going back to like late October, right? The Oklahoma game is draining. The Iowa State game was a four-quarter physical game. There's Texas Tech and K-State. Like, it has been a long month for KU since the bye week. And yeah. I was worried about the mental uh, – focus and if it was going to be there and it felt like to me early on right this is a game that i don't think KU started fast in but then there's the interception from kobe bryant and from then on it was just yeah full-blown pedal to the metal like ku just blew out cincinnati were you concerned much kevin in the first few minutes of this game like i was where you're wondering oh no is this going to be a a dud of a performance for ku to end the season yeah, I think uh, it, it's kind of funny. Friend of the show, Jordan Gusky, uh, oh I, I tweeted out. Um, I, I tweeted out in, in the moment. I said, you know, K's got kind of a sleepy start, and then mm-hmm. they punted the ball. You know, it, on one of those sort of questionable. I think, you know, should you go or should you punt decisions? And, and I, I kind of said, you know, sleepy start, and I don't love that punt. And, and Gusky, being the the wonderful person he is, chimed in a day later. And said, I think they'll figure it out. Uh, of course, after the game had, had already been played. But you know, it the one of the interesting things about the Cincinnati team is they came into the year and they were dead last in the Big 12 by a significant margin mm-hmm. in returning production. And, and so a lot of people thought that they would be either last or right around last. I know the media picked them second to last. Uh, in my initial rankings, I did pick them last. But I think a lot of us felt like this is a team that also had the capability. If you weren't paying attention, you know, they could jump up and bite you. And you look at mm-hmm. some of the results that even didn't go their way. You look at how long they held with Oklahoma. You know, that was that was a really close game sort of all the way through. And, and that start, I think, it wasn't necessarily that I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my gosh, Kansas is going to lose this game. But I think it was the sort of thing where it was, okay, you need to wake up quickly because the longer you let Cincinnati stay in this game, you know, it's one of those things that you could wind up being in the sort of four-quarter game that you didn't want to be in. You wanted to put Cincinnati on its heels really quickly. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I I love you bringing up the the Kobe Bryant interception because I feel like that was not not just a a freak play, but but I felt like that was the turning point. You know, if you can't get awake after – after that play, the, then there's something wrong with you, and Kansas sort of followed suit and, and did what a lot of us expected them to do. Exactly, right? And I think, look, I, I watched some Cincinnati games, just like little bits and pieces, and I, 
the thing that stood out to me was like they have good looking players, right? Like yeah. their nose tackle is really good. They've got a really good linebacker. Yeah. I think their running backs are, are really good, like you saw. And even Emory Jones can have really good moments, but golly, like the mental mistakes that Cincinnati has made all season. Yeah. And that I think you saw in this game against KU, um, it was pretty alarming, probably. It's probably they, the best word. I, I didn't think they got better over the course of the season either. And I, I realize that's a that's a harsh thing to say, but if you watch Cincinnati week four and you watched them against Kansas, yeah. you kind of saw the same team and, and steps where maybe you thought, okay, the defense will take a step forward, you know, as these guys get more used to playing. Like you said, like Yante Corleone's as good as any defensive tackle not playing for Texas because those Texas guys are, are ridiculous. Yeah. Deshaun Pace is a tremendous athlete at, at linebacker. And mm-hmm. who, who was it he tackled down the sideline, made a play like 30 yards downfield or whatever in the oh, in the game? I can't remember. Uh, it was maybe one of the long passes that. that yeah, but, but I mean, he, even so, you know, having a linebacker making that kind of play that far downfield didn't just show, you know, the the hustle, but the speed to get down mm-hmm. there and make that play. And so when you look at, at some of their guys, you felt like, okay, yeah, these guys are the main pieces now, but the pieces around them are going to grow up. They're going to get better. You know, they're going to find some consistency on offense somewhere. They're going to yeah. find a wide receiver that's going to make it work and add that extra element. And that didn't really wind up happening. Like I said, Cincinnati in week three, week four was kind of the Cincinnati that, that Kansas played. Exactly. Right. And I think you saw that in some of the coverages that Cincinnati yeah. just busted all over the place. I've not seen guys running that wide open consistently um, in a long time. Right. And yeah. I think early in the game, it felt like Cincinnati was loading the box against KU, really trying to make life hard on KU to run the ball. They were just shooting up the A gap, trying to create knockback and force Devin Neal to have to make guys miss in the backfield. We know, Kevin, how hard that is to do consistently. And then, like for me, there was some frustration watching the game. Like, oh my God, Jason Bean has completed four his first four passes. He's been on it. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, you're looking at KU and you're thinking, like, you're going to run the ball consistently right now. Like, they're, it ended up flipping right in the second half where KU was able to run the ball a lot better, but that was because they softened up the box. And so I thought Jason Bean had an incredible game and you saw kind of the, as the game progressed, right, KU continued to attack down the field because Cincinnati could not cover worth a lick. And then it opened everything up, and then KU just was able to get back to what I think KU's offense can be, which is just multiple versatile. They do a lot of different things, right? The Wildcat worked. Um, and so it's just one of these offensive performances where early in the game you're like, man, it feels like KU should probably pass the ball to open up the box a little bit, and then finally it happened. And then from then on it was like, great. You know, this is one of the best, I think, offensive performances Kansas has had this season. And there wasn't a defensive touchdown, and they scored 49 points. Yeah. It's a pretty good offensive performance at the end of the day. Yeah, and you you look at, you know, Jason Bean, I think at halftime was 10 of 10 for 190 yards. You know, obviously, you're going to complete every pass you throw. That's pretty good. You're going to complete <laughs> every pass you throw while averaging 19 yards an attempt. That's off the charts. And, and yeah. you know, we, we've talked about being a – in a lot of different ways, I think we've been pretty fair uh, on this show. I, I think when when there's been criticism to to Levy, I think we've levied it. When he's been terrific, you know, I, I think we've mentioned that. The last two full games that Jason Bean had, so the Iowa State game hmm. and, and this game, 
I feel like those games are as good a quarterback play as Kansas has had since Todd Reesing. And, and I and I bring that up knowing how good Jalen Daniels is. And I'm not saying Jason Bean was better than Jalen or anything like that or, or Jason Bean should have been the starter. What I am saying is that the peak Jason Bean games that we just saw were at Jalen Daniels' level. Uh, they were at yeah. peak Jalen levels. Like there are some games where Bean played really well, but you came off feeling like, well, that was like 95% of like a peak Jalen game. No, the last mm-hmm. two games, Jason Bean has been as good a, as any quarterback Kansas has had in, in a long time. And, and so, you know, I, I get that we're going to get into big picture stuff here in a little bit, but I do think it raises an interesting question. If Jalen Daniels is healthy, who starts the bowl game? I think you got to go Jason Bean, right? That's, like That's my thought too. I think there's a very important cultural decision that will have to be made because you've got a guy here that has been hurt all year and it's a balance, right? There's kind of the old adage, right? You don't lose your starting spot to injury. But if the guy that came in in your place has had the season that Jason Bean has had, and I think you've also got to keep in mind too, like this is a guy that players have rallied around, right? They know that Jason Bean decided to come back to Kansas to be a backup and knowing that there's a strong chance that he could get maybe a couple, like a game or two and have a role in the offense. But he didn't come back thinking that he's going to start, you know, nine games, you know, that's not the plan. And so I think you've got a decision to make here. If you're Lance Leipold, Hey, you've got a guy that led KU to, you know, eight and four and yes. Okay. Three of those wins were Jalen Daniels. That's, fine you know but jason bean is the reason kansas beat oklahoma yeah the reason they beat iowa state he's the reason they beat cincinnati right he he was essentially five and two right because you can't really blame him for the tech game nope and he didn't play in the kansas state game yeah exactly exactly so it's one of these situations where yeah i don't think jason bean deserves to have his starting spot taken now yeah. maybe in the bowl game you do a little two quarterback thing it's a bowl game who cares you know maybe you get jail some reps just to see where sure. he's at and that's that's assuming his back is healthy enough to go of course right but it, and, um, it, and it may be that yeah. this is this is a moot point and and jalen's not available or, or whatever mm-hmm. else but i do think rewarding jason bean for this season that he's had for the work that he's put in for all of the different things with him being a senior and graduating i, I think it's the right way to go also I know we're going to get to the second half in a minute. Mm-hmm. You know when Jason Bean is going to break a long run because his posture as a runner changes, mm. right? Like when he's when he's running and he's he's trying to get the corner, but it's not really there. You know, he's kind of a little more hunched over. You know, kind of ready for the contact to take place or whatever. Bean is one of those guys watching on TV that you kind of sit up in your seat as soon as you see him go into Springer's pose and he may Mm -hmm. still be behind the line of scrimmage, but you see him get up onto the balls of his feet. He's upright and you're like, Oh, this is going to be a big play. And, you know, you saw him break two of those against Cincinnati. You know, we've talked about the throwing, you know, he's not putting the ball at risk now, which Mm -hmm. I think is a major development for him from, from where he's been at times where you've been able to say in the past, Hey, he threw the ball really well in this game except he made three mistakes and those mistakes really hurt. He's Mm -hmm. not making those mistakes right now. And so you add in the fact that he had such a great game running the ball too. And, 
there's there's a reason I, I'm sure you saw, you know, Pro Football Focus named being its quarterback of the week on, on its on its national yeah. team and, and an honor well deserved because he was terrific. Yeah, I think he had a PFF grade of like 93, 95, yeah. which is the highest of any quarterback since Lance Leipold got to Kansas. Like yeah. it, it was an incredible performance for him and it just fully took advantage of Cincinnati's being unprepared and being a terrible team that is poorly coached. So, um, yeah, Cincinnati's uh, other, terrible. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, I can't how'd you like the play? Say it again? I said, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how'd you like the play? Yeah. Well, no, I <laughs> think a terrible I, team that's poorly prepared. And poorly well, prepared. No, I mean, well, it, it just, it, it just cracked me up. You, you definitely laid it, laid it all out there. Yeah, I mean, look, and it also takes you got to be able to make the play, and you got yeah. the speed and the balance also, right? Because he gets to the the edge in his momentum, he doesn't step out of bounds, right? He keeps going forward and is able to have the the core strength and balance to keep going forward. So I thought that was a great play. I thought the second run he had was great. Like yeah. it's just a if you're gonna like, um, you know, twenty years, I guess for me, if you know your kids ask like, oh, what was Jason Bean like? I'd let pull up the Cincinnati game for like highlights be like this was Jason Bean at his best because that that was like you saw everything that makes him um a quarterback that has won games for Kansas and so I think it was, it's really cool to see him perform like that but I think elsewhere Devin Neal had an incredible game I didn't realize this Kevin this is the first time in his career that he has rushed for over 100 yards in three straight games I didn't wow. know that yeah he had the back-to-back last year where he mm-hmm. was unbelievable was it Oklahoma State and Texas Tech? Yes. Last year where where he was he was maybe the best back in the Big 12 over that two game stretch. But yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, he I don't think he hit 100 on on either side of those two games to make it 3. So, he he's been he's been so consistently good and, and it, it's so funny because I remember us talking on the podcast about the extremely limited highlights we got to saw, see from summer practices. And one of the things that you and I said was Devin Neal looks more agile this year than he did a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really played out with his cutting, with the way he's made guys miss, you know, picked up yards after initial contact and things like that. I, I think you've really seen that play out this year. Oh, totally. I, I totally agree. He, he has taken his game to another level, right? And I think – Lance Leipold made the comment post game that in terms of Devin's top end speed, this is the fastest he has been at the end of this season in the last three years. And that's such a huge point, right? Because as a freshman and as a sophomore, he got banged up at the end of the year. And this season he was able to stay healthy, be consistent, be available to take on a big workload every game of this season. And to be this fresh late on in the season where, Kevin, this isn't, hey, he had three straight 100-yard rushing games against Missouri State, Illinois, and Nevada. Like, it's late on in the season when he's doing this, which I think is even more impressive and speaks to his preparedness. And look, Devin does not want to take credit. I wrote about that on the website. Like, he continues to say, oh, my offensive line was great. Oh, my wide receivers are great. Oh, the training staff helped me stay available all season. Like, Devin, like, you put in the work, man. Like you're here because yes, you have a great the offensive line has played well. The wide receivers have helped you. The training staff has yeah. been great. Um, the offensive coordinator and running backs coach, like yes, all of that. But also you have put in the work to put yourself in a position to take advantage of all of those things. And so 
I've just continued to be very impressed by um, obviously who Devin is as a person, but also just the level of play he's had. Cause this is just such a, a consistent every single week when you hand him the ball, you know what you're going to get. And that's hard to have in college football. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and I think it's interesting with the emphasis that Kansas puts on running mm-hmm. the ball, that KU still averaged seven yards of play for the season and 11 yards per play against Cincinnati, which is just yeah. off the charts. I mean, uh, 11 yards per play, I, it, it's below the the yards per play that Iowa State had against K-State in what was maybe the wildest game of the year. Uh, if you didn't watch that, I, I know we're talking Kansas here, but Iowa State put up 42 points and had zero red zone trips. <laughs> Like they, the, the, the stats on that thing, you need to go look at that box score because it is, it is mm-hmm. ridiculous. I think Iowa state averaged 13 or 14 yards of play. Yep. They had four scores of 60 or more yards or five scores of 60 or more yards. It was, it was just a wild deal. But I, I do think, you know, the offensive line per, played pretty well, honestly, you know, I feel like the receiving group is really underrated. And I, you know, it's tough. It's been tough the last couple of years because they've kind of taken turns, right? Like there are some games where it's Luke Grimm's turn and he looks really good. There are some times when Quentin Skinner, you know, you look at the Oklahoma State game and he was terrific. I think Lawrence Arnold has turned himself into a legitimate number one wide receiver at the Big 12 level. And when you you look at his production, you know, depending on the bowl game, he's going to be about where he was last year. Uh, but averaging 17 yards a catch, I think, you know, I mean, just a, as a bigger guy that can get downfield, that can win matchups and do the things that that he can do, you know, I, I feel like that receiving group maybe doesn't get the credit that it deserves either. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's crazy to think, Kevin, right? These guys are, you're talking about, hey, Lawrence Arnold, you know, he's been a multi-year starter. This yep. is Quentin Skinner's second year starting. Luke Grimm's been around and they can all be back next year. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Well, and, and you, you've you talked about it. I mean, Grimm has sort of quietly been banged up, and he's played through some things this year yeah. that, you know, and I don't want to make it sound like it's all hush-hush or anything like that. I, But, like, I, I don't know that that gets talked about a ton either, the fact that Mm-mm. Grimm has been somewhat limited this year. And, and so when you, when you look at that, when you look at the emergence of some of the guys behind them too, you know, I think Emilian's had some – terrific moments as a blocker in particular um obviously trevor wilson's had some big catches some big plays you know they've they've been able to to build some depth there i'm really interested to see big picture wise with that group if those guys all come back like you would expect them to how many of this freshman class the true freshman class this year break into that rotation because i think keaton kubeka is pretty good i think Siraz bunkum has some ability, you know, Jared sample is a guy that kind of fits the mold for what they want out of a slot guy. And so I'm not saying any of those guys wind up winning starting spots next year, but I am interested in seeing if they can bully their way into, you know, 10 plays this game, 15 plays next game and how that impacts the wide receiving group too. Does a guy like Kubeka or Buncombe, yeah. do they wind up pushing out of Tanaka Scott or somebody like that? Mm-hmm. I, I think, that's going to be one of the more interesting position dynamics because Kansas is so deep at that spot, potentially with quality guys. Exactly. And 
I think Kubeka would be the one. Obviously, he yeah. came in and was on the two deep and played in four games and is taking a red shirt this year. And I'm sure yeah. you'll probably see him playing the bowl game because I, I believe there's going to be another waiver pass where the bowl game isn't going to count towards yep. someone's eligibility if they're going to be uh, in one of these redshirt decisions. So same thing with Jalen Daniels. Um, I think across the board, you know, you look at this program now, and I think there are a lot of players like that, Kevin, where you're looking at what KU's done, high school recruiting, right? The classes continue to get bigger, right? Yep. This class they're about to sign in three weeks or so yep. is uh, – is going to be 16 players, right? Which is going to be, I believe, the largest class that Lance Leipold has signed, right? Because, you know, it, it's you can't really count, you know, the freshman when he was already, you know, the freshman that already signed when sure. he got hired in April. Like, I don't know if that counts. So, you know, you're going to continue to see them add young talent. And then it's going to be about, hey, do those kind of mid-level players, right? We know who's starting and we yeah. know who the young players are. But do those guys in the middle, you know, Tanaka Scott, Savion Morrison, um, you can go to tight end, right? Will Huggins, like do these guys make the jump or do they get passed up by these younger players and end up deciding, Hey, do I finish out my career here? Right. Not play a ton, but Hey, get a degree from Kansas, be a part of a great program, or do they go somewhere else to try and play? Like, I don't know. Those are kind of the things that will have to be decided in the next couple of years, but you know, the program's in a healthy spot, Kevin. I think that sure. may be transferred to big picture stuff, right? I think this season you saw so much progress, right? And I think it's really encouraging. Physicality, KU is a lot better. Not perfect, not perfect, but a lot better, right? KU's offensive line was a lot more physically imposing this year on a more consistent basis. And yeah. I think KU's defensive line looks a lot better. Now for them, it's going to be about getting in the weight room and getting guys like Tommy Dunn, DJ Withers, Austin Booker, Dylan Brooks, um, even Jeremy Robinson, another year of weight room development where they're bigger and yeah. faster, stronger next year. So you see so many things where now it's a great. So KU's in a spot where they've got good players and now it's just about developing and building that continuity over time where you can be a team that uh, can outperform the quote unquote, like talent composite. Right. But now sure. you're also entering an age, Kevin, like the big 12, as we know, it is over Texas and Oklahoma are gone. And yep. so now it's about, Hey, can you build this continuity to where you can compete at the top end of the new big 12? which therefore means you compete for a spot in the college football playoff. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I, I think if you asked somebody outside the Big 12 to forecast you know, who are, who's going to be the favorites, I think they would probably point to like Utah and Kansas State as examples of consistency, teams that are really physical and, and you know have sort of that year-in, year-out quality to them. Mm. And you look at what Kansas wants to be, what Kansas potentially can be, that's right along line, the line of, of kind of what they want to be, right? I mean, in, yeah. in terms of, you know, Utah, in terms of what Kansas State has been. And so I, I do think, you know, there's a real opportunity there. You know, I, I think that there are a few teams in the Big 12 that are going to out-recruit Kansas, but it's not mm -hmm. going to be to the level that, that Texas and Oklahoma did. That, that gap is just not going to be there. And I'm also interested, too, this is a really strong recruiting class that's coming in. And I get that Kansas is really experienced. They're going to continue to be really experienced next year. But even places like at Georgia or, you know, Alabama or whatever else, if a freshman's really good, 
he pushes his way onto the field. And, mm-hmm. and so, and, and sometimes he's starting, sometimes he's just in the rotation. I'm yeah. interested to see because there are some guys in this recruiting class that are really, really good. Do those guys, you know, I, I hate to put it this way, but do they not wait their turn? Does not Deshaun Warner, I'm not saying he's going to start when you have Jeremy Robinson and Austin Booker, but does he beat out a Dylan Brooks or, you know, a Davion Westmoreland or somebody like mm-hmm. that to get into the rotation where you just say, look, we'd love to redshirt this kid. He's a freshman, but he's too good. We can't keep him off the field. And so that's another thing I, I'm kind of interested with this group. Do one of the, do one of the young D backs, because I think that's the strongest position in this recruiting class is the defensive back group. Do mm-hmm. one of those guys find a way in either as a nickel corner as you know as potentially a a third outside guy or whatever else i i think this is going to be a really interesting freshman class Mm. to watch them kind of mold in with this group that is going to have a lot of experience a lot of reps a lot of time in the weight room all of those different things and yet you've got these guys coming in that do have a lot of ability yeah exactly and i think it's now a spot where it all depends on where they're at and i think Yep. The coaching staff does a good job of explaining what it takes to play. Sure. Or you've got to be able to mentally process everything that the coaches ask. And that is in the weight room and that is in the meeting room and that's on the field. And someone like Keaton Quebeca came in with the experience of playing at a high level high school football program, right? One of the best in the country. And he had that already mentally like clicking for him. And I think you mentioned the defensive ends. And for me, I, I, he, it's way too early to make predictions, right, Kevin? These sure. guys haven't even like signed; they're not even enrolled. But something tells—I get the feeling, right? Dak Brinkley is someone that might play early. Sure, he's going to enroll early. He's played in Texas. It's yeah. all going to come down to how he doesn't. He, he's physically him. developed already. I mean, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's yeah. And and so it's going to—I think Brinkley is someone that's going to play early. But I think long term, someone like Sean Warner is going to have maybe a higher ceiling. Sure. Right. So I think that's also the dynamic you kind of face sometimes where, hey, maybe a guy's ready to play over his compatriots as freshmen because he came from a better high school program. And then maybe over time, those guys catch up to where he is and maybe they even get a step further. Like, I don't know, like it's too early to say, but I think that's one of the more exciting parts of the program now where you do have exciting freshmen. They're going to come in and once they sign and some are going to enroll early, some will enroll in the summer. But now you can kind of see this pipeline starting to build for the program where they can still rank high in continuity, right? Returning three starters, four players that have started on the offensive line. You return basically all your wide receivers. You return two or three tight ends, your quarterback's back on defense. You know, you lose your best defensive tackle, but you've got younger guys coming through linebackers. are going to need a huge rehaul this, this off season. Yeah. And then defensive back, they're in a pretty good spot. You lose Kenny Logan, but you've got OJ Burroughs and Marvin Grant there. You feel pretty good about. So now there's a spot again where you've got returning production. You got guys who you know what you're going to get from, and then you've got kind of these wild cards under who are, de- excuse me, developing and figuring out where they're at. And so it's a really healthy spot for a program to be in, where now you can kind of start to see the ball start to roll, where you get recruiting classes, they get time to develop, and then when the time is right and when they earn the spot, they're able to play. And so I think just the program overall is in a really healthy spot. Yeah. In in college basketball, you have the expression where you say you want to get old and stay old, you know, through the, through the transfer portal. And, and I think that when you look at at Kansas Mm -hmm. 
two years ago, Kansas was old. Like last year, Kansas was old. This year, Kansas stayed old. And next year, they're going to continue to stay old. And then you're going to start to see some things change from that point on. You're not going to have the COVID year, you know, for, mm-hmm. for guys and, and things like that. But I do think they've built up this nucleus of a program where if somebody like a Dak Brinkley is going to play, it's going to be because he's good and because he's ready, not because they have to have him play. And, and that's that's something we've talked about in the past, and, and we talked about it with regards to a guy like O.J. Burroughs. O.J. Burroughs is a really good football player right now. Mm. But O.J. Burroughs was thrown out onto the field you know, pretty much right away because yeah. they had to have O.J. Burroughs play. Kansas doesn't have to have any of these freshmen come in and be the guy right away. If they are the guy, that's going to say a lot more about them than it is about, you know, a danger spot that Kansas is in. And so, you know, when you, when you want to build a program, you don't want to build a program for a one-year peak or or anything like that. You want to build something lasting. And, And I think, you know, when you look at the jump they made last year, obviously this year was an improvement on that. You know, we're, we're sitting here, you know, eight and four is a great success building on, on where Kansas was. They had a winning record in conference play, you know, all, all of those different things. And yet we could, we're sitting here talking about a team that very easily could have been 11 and one. And so I think as you're trying to build consistently, you don't want to look back three years from now and say, man, that eight and four season, those are the days. And so I think that, that that's where things are, are going to be interesting to see how this roster shapes out. Like you said in your article, uh, which which everybody should look at, there mm-hmm. are some interesting NFL decisions that, that need to be made. Um, we're going to be breaking down the recruiting class really, really well and, and in depth over the next few weeks with, with early signing period coming up. And, and, and I think, you know, going into the bowl and, and coverage of the team and, and kind of, where things are going there, you know, this is this is a football team that even though the regular season's done and even though they won't play again for another month, it's going to be a program that's going to be worth following for that month because I think quite a, quite a lot could happen. Exactly, right? And I think you mentioned something there, Kevin, about the, the what-if aspect of yep. this season. And I've thought about a lot about this. You know, this time last year, we're talking a lot about, hey – if this and this can happen, Kansas can be competitive in these games. Sure. Right. And this year we're talking about, Hey, well, if this and this can happen, okay, you can win these games. And I think it's a really interesting way to look at this in sure. terms of growth where, you know, you, you looked at it in Leipold's first year and it's okay. What needs to happen for KU just to like not get their butt kicked for four quarters. <laughs> right. And then last year was, well, hey, you know, KU is pretty good for two, for a half or three quarters, but man, that was a diabolical period of the game. And now you're looking at it and saying, man, if KU can just make, not make the one mistake or have the one thing that doesn't go against them in a game and you're looking at wins and the incremental improvement, if you want to look at it that way, is pretty exciting because again, you turn a lot and there's the ability for them to take that next step. And I think the portal right now for Kansas is at a spot where KU's not going to need to overhaul position groups, right? They're going to pick and choose at a couple spots for players that can help raise the ceiling of next year's team. Because I think the remaining continuity that Kansas will have will set the floor. Sure. Right? 
you look at the schedule, Kevin, Kansas will go eight and four next year at a minimum. Yeah. It, it's play. a very manageable schedule. You know, they go from one of the hardest schedules in the conference to, I think the fourth easiest I saw yesterday. Um, so kind of towards the bottom now and like Kansas next year to baseline will be eight and four. The players that get in the portal right now, whether it be this, the, the winter or the spring are the players are going to decide, okay, is it eight and four? Is it 10 and two? Like, what does this look like? And so that for me is why it's such a good spot for Katie to be in. Cause they could be picking, they can pick and choose. And they're not like Colorado that just went all out trying to get a bunch of players and ended up getting a bunch of practice squad guys and had to rely on it. Right. Yep. The way KU's done this is much more manageable and long term than another program like Colorado. And I just use them because, Kevin, there are so many different ways to build a football roster nowadays. Sure. And you can take any different method that you want. And I think the way that KU has done it is one that sets them up for sustainability long term. And like you said, not to have a one year peak where you're incredible and then terrible the next year. Like it feels like this is more of a consistent build right now than maybe some of the other programs you see in the Big 12. Yeah, you, you see some programs, you know, throwing together rosters that are so transfer portal reliant. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of that, you have somebody like Clemson where Dabo Sweeney pretty much <laughs> refuses to get in the portal or, yeah. or you know, and, and that's almost like operating with one arm tied behind your back. Because if you, you know, if you miss in recruiting, if you have somebody transfer out, all these different mm-hmm. things. And I get that, you know, I get that you can be against the portal. It, it kind of cracks me up. Lane Kiffin, I think, is a tremendous realist in that Lane Kiffin goes out and says, man, the portal really sucks. It's bad for college football. And then he takes 20 transfers, including two quarterback transfers, because he still has to do it to compete, right? And so uh, I think that, you know, the way you put that was, was pretty strong because I think Kansas is going to have – this backbone of high school guys. And and that's going to be the key with those guys. And it's going to be key for so many different reasons. One, you can really set your culture with those guys Two, When you recruit a transfer, I mean, it's, it's wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. It's so quick. And so you don't necessarily have the time to vet that player the way that you can with a high school recruit. Mm -hmm. You know, some of these guys that Kansas has offered, You know, they're offering these guys as sophomores in high school. They're building those relationships and, and, you know, really getting to know them. And so when a player comes into the program, you already have a pretty good idea where they're at and, and, you know, how to motivate them and and all those different things. And so you're going to have that backbone of high school players. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're not going to hamstring themselves from not going into the portal at at positions of need. And, And I think... They've done such a good job, I think, on both lines in particular. Of could Kansas have rolled out this season without an offensive line transfer? Sure, they needed them on defensive line really badly. But yeah. but but could they on offensive line? Probably. But they said, you know what? We'll we'll grab a couple guys. We'll throw them into the mix. If they wind up starting, great. If not, they're in the rotation. And they filled out that group so nicely. And, and you look at. You know, the the defensive line, obviously, Austin Booker had a tremendous year. Devin Phillips was their best defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. They had high school guys around those guys. You know, Jeremy Robinson has been in the program for a while. You know, Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers, you know, are, are growing into their roles and things like that. But they had those holes and they went into the transfer portal to fill them. In. And so I do think that that's a, a, something that they can continue to replicate 
year in and year out to to try and keep this thing to where there isn't a big variance between mm-hmm. teams year in and year out to where this is a very consistent program. Exactly. I think we could probably talk more about the roster stuff next Sunday, Monday, because um, sure. the portal will open, right? This yep. week they're going to do their exit interviews where the players will meet with a position coach and then meet with Lance Leipold and then discuss everything about that's going to go on. You know, hey, this is where we think you're trending in the program. This is what we want to see you improve on. This is what we want to see you um, continue to work on. And then they'll get the bowl game Sunday, Monday portal opens, and then it's all going to be mayhem until national signing day um, for the coaches, right? They're going to hit on the, get on the road later this week. I think Friday is the first day they can get out and recruit. Uh, and then from then on, they're going to be on the road a lot until yeah. signing day. So it should be pretty crazy. Kevin bowl game wise, what do you want to see? Like well, what bowl game do you want to see Katie playing? Well, what's your best case scenario? Uh, unfor- unfortunately, not the bowl game that everybody is projecting them to go to. I don't really want to go to Phoenix. I, I don't know how you how you feel about the the guaranteed rate bowl. Myself, I I'd much rather be in one of the Texas bowls or you know the uh, pie in the sky. You know, Pop Tarts would be pretty great for those of you who don't know. Pop Tarts is in Orlando. It's what used to be the Tangerine Bowl, right? And then was the Cheez It Bowl. It was the Camping World Bowl, and then it was the Cheez-It Bowl, and then now it's the... And it was the Tangerine Bowl, I think, before the Camping World Bowl. So, you know, KU went to the Tangerine Bowl, played Phillip Rivers back, you know, in the Mm. the 2003 season. Um, The the stadium, I understand, has had an uplift since, you know, since back then. Um, What I understand, Disney World is not the place to be around the the holidays because it, it just gets super packed from everybody who wants to do all that. But even so, I do think that would be a fun trip. And you look at some of the teams that, that wind up getting projected into that game, the Notre Dames and things like that, I think would be kind of a, a fun matchup type of Mm. deal versus I think one of the projections I saw for Kansas today was playing Northwestern in the guaranteed rate bowl. And and I'm not saying I I wouldn't go, but that would, uh, that would probably not be my, my first choice. Kevin, that would be a very poorly attended bowl game. All right. I I would have to, I would have to to agree with you. Uh, you know, it's tough, man. Like, what are they doing? I mean, look, I understand you got to bowl slots, you got to find yeah. times, but December twenty sixth is like maybe the single worst day to have yep. a bowl. You know, be and so yeah. I mean, I I agree, Kevin. It seems like people are projecting KU to the guaranteed rate bowl. Um, I'd take the Texas bowl, honestly, anything that's not on December 26th, I think <laughs> would be great. You know, I think, Oh man, what is it? Is it the armed forces bowl? It's on the 23rd in Dallas. I think so. I'd, I'd take that over the guaranteed rate bowl. Cause guess what's going to happen. You're gonna have a lot of people from KU, KU fans. I'm sure will go down to Dallas and then guess what? You fly home on Christmas Eve and you've spent time with your family and all that stuff. And you still get to go have the full bowl experience. And Dallas is a fun place to be too. So that'd be cool. Um, Texas bowl will be fine. Date wise, Houston questionable. You know, if you're ranking your cities, you know, Orlando kind of be fun. I think Phoenix is a fun city, Kevin, but I understand that the, the date of that bowl isn't great. Um, how about this? Right. Just not Memphis, just not yeah. Memphis. Our uh, our own Brad Crawford, by the way, at twenty four seven Sports, has the the Northwestern matchup at the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. So stinky. So that would uh, that would not be the the most fun. Yeah, Pop Tarts right now. Uh, Jerry Palm at CBS has Notre Dame versus Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. 
So that would uh, Alamo Bowl, you have to assume, is going to grab Oklahoma mm -hmm. with Oklahoma heading to the SEC. This is their last chance to grab Oklahoma and that fan base. So you mm -hmm. would assume that the Alamo would, would swing Oklahoma, there. USC, my prediction there. Um, they have Oklahoma, Arizona, but that that would be a a lot of fun. Certainly, mm -hmm. uh, they've got Case Palm has K State, Kentucky, at the Texas Bowl, mm -hmm. um, in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Palm has Kansas, but he has a different Big Ten opponent. Wisconsin Kansas facing Rutgers. Oh no, no Wisconsin. Um, as it pertains to the Pop Tarts Bowl, Kevin, I've heard that. They basically said we're going to take one of the Kansas schools. So basically, it was the Sunflower Showdown. Whoever won that game was getting the Pop Tarts Bowl. So I'd be pretty surprised if if K State is not in the Pop Tarts Bowl. That's just what I've little birdies chirping in my chirping in my ear. Yeah, heard. yeah, it would uh, it, it would be a lot of fun to to go down to the Pop Tarts Bowl. Like I mm -hmm. said, like I wouldn't tie in a Disney World trip around it if you wind up going to that thing, but. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I think Orlando is kind of a kind of a fun place. And, and there are worse places to be in December than Orlando, Florida. I'll say that, too. You just don't want to be in Memphis. <laughs> do not, do, do not want to be in Memphis with all the pipes having issues and and everything else. So I will say last year's bowl trip was was, was a lot of fun. And you know, if, if you haven't been to, you know, see your school in a bowl game before, it's different. It's a cool experience. Um, you know, you, it, it's kind of fun to go, you know, in, in Memphis, it was fun to walk down Beale street and see Kansas fans kind of everywhere. You know, it, it's, it, it's a, a different deal. And so if you haven't been before to a bowl trip, I would highly recommend making the trip. It, it's a cool deal. Yeah, it really is. So we'll have to see where KU goes. Seems like there are some options. Um, yeah, just praying, not the guaranteed rate pool. Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously we'll still go cover it, but man, it, it would be a, I, I owe my family a lot of uh, IOUs if uh, that happens, because that means no Christmas Eve, no Christmas, and a lot of sorry, but it should be interesting, Kevin. I, I think regardless, the fact that Kansas is in a bowl game for back-to-back -back seasons is huge. Sure. The practices they're going to get over the next month are going to be big. Biggest part. That's the biggest part. Yeah. You basically get an extra spring's worth of practices. And so for for a program that is continuing to develop, continuing to build, and we talked about all those young players mm -hmm. in the program, usually teams split up those practices in terms of the young guys get a lot of reps for about half of those practices, and the other half are, are obviously preparing to, to play in that bowl game. But, you know, some of those freshmen where you say, hey, I'd like to see what Keaton Quebec can do, you know, Keaton Quebec could get reps with the ones during, you know, six or seven practices as they prepare for these bowl games. And that's something that you just don't get in the middle of the season because you're practicing for whoever you're facing that week. It's really hard to get reps to players who aren't going to play that week. And so it is a, it is a really great deal for a program that has guys that they want to develop. Exactly. Exactly. So Kevin, I think that should do it. Got a little Cincinnati talking. I don't know. The game wasn't super interesting, so maybe not. No need to talk about the second the, half. The, um, the defense didn't play too badly either. I know we talked all offense. The defense was solid. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, it was a uh, 
it was a win and it was a win by a big margin and and got Kansas into a spot where in the fourth quarter people were were already talking big picture things and so we decided on this podcast to to follow suit talk about the game a little bit and then talk about the big picture stuff so exactly well we'll be back next Sunday Monday unsure let's do a time all the stuff comes out what time they have media um at least that'll be the what dictates my schedule i'm um, we'll up to see but thank you as always for listening to the fog.net podcast if you like what you see on youtube like the video subscribe to the channel drop some comments it goes a long way in helping us out if you like what you're hearing on the podcast platform of your choice make sure you leave a rating or a review i think that's how this works kevin i'm tired <laughs> This is terrible, Um, but thanks as always for listening. We will talk to you all again with Kevin next week. Maybe we'll have a little basketball podcast middle of the week, talk about Feast Week, look at UConn. Um, Interesting times ahead for KU basketball and KU football. Kevin, absolutely, dual dual sports school, volleyball. All all sports school. All sports sports school. I was about to say, volleyball's got some big matches coming up later this week, NCAA tournament, hosting two games. Um, should be exciting I, stuff. I, I know it's not the season for it, but I'm interested. You know, women's basketball hasn't been playing mm-hmm. badly. It is the season for that. I'm interested to see what baseball does. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I think that baseball in year two under uh, under this new coach, I, I think they've got a chance to do some interesting things too. So a lot yeah. of interesting sports to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, exactly. And look, I mean, the portal, like the way that K baseball used the portal last year was great. Oh, and yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of uh, what they've done and the way they've tried to do it. You know, I think Dan Fitzgerald does a, a really good job. And I know sure. he, um, I think they got the right guy. So, yeah, I mean, we could have a, a different podcast about this, different time. Oh, oh um, yeah, for sure. For sure. For now, just if you remember nothing about that segment, just remember all sports school. All sports. Travis Goff wants it to be that way. Um, but yeah, thanks as always for listening. We'll talk to you all again. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.